0: Welcome to Safety Spectrum, your environmental, health, and safety connection. This program is a presentation of the Michigan Safety Conference. For almost a century, the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support to the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs, along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment, instrumentation, and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference, please find us at MISH, M-I-C-H, safetyconference.org. Welcome to Safety Spectrum. I'm your host, Sheila Eide. This program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is Making the Invisible Visible, Tracking Michigan Injuries, Illnesses, and Fatalities. Today's podcast will discuss a program at Michigan State University that tracks and investigates serious injuries, identifies trends, and provides recommendations for the benefit of VHS professionals. Laurel Hardwar Marano joined the MSU faculty in March as an associate professor in the Division of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. She has 18 years experience in applied public health, working for state health departments, and most recently with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Her area of focus is occupational and environmental epidemiology. As an epidemiologist, she specializes in tracking serious injuries and illnesses to identify measures to prevent future occurrences. Jeff Fusey is the industrial hygienist and investigator for the MYFACE program. He holds a BS in environmental health and safety management from Ferris State University. His experience includes 14 years as an industrial hygiene consultant and two years as a safety consultant. Jeff is an ABIH certified industrial hygienist and also BCSP certified safety professional. He is also a current member of the Michigan Safety Conference in the industrial hygiene division. So welcome to Safety Spectrum.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So I'd like to start out with, uh, can you talk a little bit further? So my area is
2: occupational environmental health. I did a lot of work previously at state health departments. And I don't know, Sheila, are we doing fun facts? <laughs> <laughs> at some point, you can. You got a fun fact, yes. go for it. So I, I grew up in Alaska. And my first introduction to public health uh, was working part-time as an undergraduate at the um, for the NI- National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health or NIOSH's Alaska field
0: providers like, I'm probably one medicine do, Laurel.
2: So we at OEM, use that as an abbreviation, we conduct <laughs> Occupational Injury Illness Surveillance for the state of Michigan. So what this means is that we track and count work related injuries, illnesses and fatalities. MSU is a bona fide agent for both the state health department and MyOSHA to do this work. And we've been doing this work for over a years. You know, we're looking at the very severe injuries that are occurring to individuals. And then we also track uh, injuries in one particular industry, which is the agricultural industry. And then finally, as part of our MyFace program, we track all work-related injuries in um, or f- work-related fatalities in um, Michigan. And Jeff's going to talk more about that. I didn't ask you this before, and I don't know if we covered it. that are occurring in state, pesticide poisonings. And, you know, pesticides aren't just what we think of when you're looking at uh, trying to kill weeds in your yard. They also include things like disinfectant and bleaches, um, bleach exposures. So we do track all of that as well. Lead and heavy metal levels in adults, we track all work, not work-related. We track, we look at all exposures. So we work with the health department, and if somebody has a blood lead level over three point five micrograms per deciliter, we try to identify what the source of that exposure will be. We're seeing that you know about eighty percent of those exposures are work related, but then there's another twenty percent that are other other things like hobbyists, uh, individuals who are working with casting bullets or um, firing ranges or um, Lead, lead in
0: um, windows. So, um, so construction, construction, demolition, or yeah, yeah, construction, demolition, home repair, things like that. So, um, yeah. Okay, now Jeff, since I've mentioned it a few times, uh, can you tell me more about the MyFace program?
1: Yeah, so MyFace is an acronym that stands for Michigan Fatality and Control Evaluation. We are a research program that's been funded since 2001 to gather information on all work-related fatalities in Michigan industry sectors. So we investigate the work-related fatalities in the state of Michigan with a focus on prevention and education. Um, Our goals through the investigations uh, are to identify root causes um, of the work-related fatalities to try to identify the types of industries and the types of work situations that are at an increased risk for what we're seeing, Um, and to develop and distribute educational materials to prevent similar incidences from occurring. You know, our educational materials that I think we're gonna talk about a little bit more later, include things like investigation reports, which is kind of like our big report format, case narratives, which are a little bit smaller, hazard alerts, and our big annual report that we put together. And, um,
0: uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, so kind of like for the MyFace program, in addition to what you would normally consider a work-related fatality, something that you might see come through on like the OSHA email lists, we have, a, we have some other things in our scope. We have things like homicides, suicides, uh, we cover drug overdoses, complications um, that could be related to something like a surgical complication that was from a work-related incident, motor vehicle crashes, and medical events. Um, Although deaths from things like natural causes such as heart attacks aren't included, but if we do have a medical event that was at work, um, we have doctors that would look at that like Dr. Roseman, to determine if it was work-related. You know, with that, part of our investigations and what can sometimes even be mo- the most difficult part is even figuring out if it's a work-related fatality, if there's that work relationship that exists. You know, we have to determine if the event or the exposure that led to the fatality, you know, was it on the employer's premises? Um, and was that person there to do work? Or if it happened elsewhere, um, was that person there to do work or was it something related to their status as an employee that that can be tough you know kind of in general if what they were doing at the time of the incident was to produce a product or a result or if it was done in exchange for money goods services and it was a legal activity um it's probably going to get included you know our data collection process like laurel mentioned for my face we're trying to get the best picture possible. We wanna gather data from all of the different points of view. So we're collecting things like the autopsy report, uh, toxicology reports, police, fire, emergency medical services, workers' comp, news articles, and death certificates. And then even in the case of like motor vehicle crashes, we have um, agreements to get the traffic crash reports. So how
0: do you really think you're getting all of the information that is really out there that's actually occurring?
1: We're doing our best to do that. You know, all of these different things, we're we're getting kind of a report or a narrative from all of these different points of view. And you're right, sometimes um, people's stories can be different, and you can see that from these different sources, but we're still trying to gather it up to start our investigation. Um. Based on all that information that we collect, we determine what type of investigation we want to do. You know, our investigations, um, we're not a regulatory agency. It's all voluntary participation if somebody wants to participate. We have a letter that we send out to either the company or the family involved, if it's, you know, maybe a family farm, Um, a pamphlet that explains our program and our goals, you know, our educational side of this. And then we follow up with a phone call. Our reports, our case summaries, our hazard alerts, our annual reports, there's no personal identifiers in any of that information. You know, we're we're sensitive to that side of all of the stuff that we collect. They go through several levels of review. Um, if the employer or family participates, it's sent to them for review or comment. And then they're they're posted on our web page and distributed. Um, again, we're we're not enforcement. Uh, we're not a regulatory agency. You know, we're not there to enforce myOSHA regulations, find fault or or find blame. Um, we're just there to find what went wrong and how we can prevent something like that from happening again.
0: So, what kind of interaction do you have with MyOSHA? I know when I was working there, we did talk about my face and In your investigations. We would read them. Mm-hmm.
2: So one of the things that we do, we make sure we, you know, we work closely with MyOSHA on investigation, using their information, and we make sure that if we're going to publish anything, whether it's an investigation report, a one page or a paragraph, that that comes out after the investigation is completed, so that there isn't any issues with the investigation or we're not sharing anything. We're we're really sensitive to that. Uh, One of the things that I mentioned, we're we're charged with counting workplace injuries, illnesses, and fatalities, and so we also assist the state in conducting patient and um, workplace follow-up. So what that looks like, part of that is education. And we currently have funding through the consultation, education, and training program or the SET uh, program from MyOSHA to provide safety and health information to the agricultural community. And through presentations, development of materials, and even technical assistance. So that that's uh, some of the ways that we work with MyOSHA. You know, if we see that there was a condition where we believe an investigation can have a meaningful impact and prevent other employees from getting sick uh, or injured, you know, we we reach out to MyOSHA for for that and um, see
0: if they're. Uh, and and refer provide a referral to them. Jeff, did you have anything to add to that? Or
1: yeah, you know, like Laurel said, we have an agreement. Um, after a case is done, the case is closed. You know, we have access; we can review their files again, just for another point of view um, to add to the picture that we've already gotten from everything else. We can also, if it's something that myosha investigated. Do an interview with the compliance officer again to get another point of view from that case. the The more we can get, the better.
0: Makes sense. So part of my face, I think, uh, what you do is uh, identify trends. So kind of fits into my uh, next question: is why the focus on farm related injuries?
2: Yeah. So we continue to see that the agricultural, forestry, fishing, and hunting industry have the highest fatality rates compared to other industries. You know, using our data from my face. Between 2011 and 2020, the agricultural industry had the highest rates for 8 out of 10 years during that um, term period. And, you know, according to the 2021 Bureau of Labor Statistics Survey of Occupational Injuries and Illnesses, and this is a survey that national numbers and estimates are provided to get a picture of what occupational um, work-related injuries, non-fatal, are are currently occurring in our country. Well, for Michigan, we see that the agriculture industry in their sector is among the top five hazardous industries, and they continue to be. Unfortunately, there are limitations to the BLS non-fatal data, so the Bureau of Labor Statistics non-fatal data. And part of that is they only capture hired workers or farms with 11 or more employees. And according to the 2017 Census of Agriculture in Michigan, only 25 percent of farms use hired laborers. So we're missing a lot of a lot of um, a lot of people. And so one of the things that we do, uh, in addition, is that we we have this program that looks at nonfatal and two peer reviewed papers have shown that the BLS uh, is missing approximately 77% of farm-related injuries and illnesses. I know wow. it seems a lot, it is a lot. <laughs> so, so you know, we, we don't know what necessarily is going on and especially for young people, for kids who work on the farms and are in the family business and are, you know, learning the trade and helping out and part of that, uh, that community. Uh, you know, the soy, the Survey of Occupational Injuries and Illnesses, while they don't have a limit on the information they collect, the numbers of children uh, just typically don't meet the guidelines for publication, so we don't have any information on that. So in 2015, Dr. Rosamond, Ken Rosamond, who um, is the chief of our program, initiated the specific collection of severe farm related injuries. And so we don't capture all farm related injuries, but we do capture those ones that are severe enough to be, end up in a hospital or be transported by um, emergency medical services. So if you call an ambulance, then um, we'll be able to hopefully capture those. And then so of
0: course, the fatalities that the right. MyFace program. Um, so what kind of trends are you seeing in farm related injuries and fatalities?
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is that um, about we're seeing, you know, uh, sorry, between 2015 and 2021, we've seen about 4,642 injuries, non-fatal injuries. And some of those we see injuries to children, 4 to 13 Uh, we've seen injuries to 14- to 15-year-olds and 16- to 17-year-olds as well. And those those children, those individuals, younger individuals, are mostly family members. As they get older, those 16- to 17-year-olds, we see 53% of them are family members and 45% of them are hired hired hands. Whereas with the adults, we're seeing um, 5% are family members 43% are hired hands and 51% are those owner operators. Mm -hmm. So those wouldn't be captured in um, the soy data. We're also seeing farm related injuries by injury source. So cattle are most common injury source uh, for overall. Although it changes for uh, individuals over 60, we're seeing that tractor related uh, injuries occur more frequently. And then cattle-related injuries, or
0: like. So then, when you're talking cattle, you're talking being crushed by or uh, stepped on, or. Yep, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. We also. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was going
2: to say we also include um, those that where somebody may have been charged by a bull and then ended up getting injured trying to
0: um, get away. So, um, so those are types of injuries that we're we're seeing. And some of those, I suppose, with the, the farms, if it's family owned and operated, you might have some older equipment, which would kind of explain maybe some of the uh, tractor related
1: injuries.
2: Yeah. And Jeff has been working on some YouTube videos related to that. Oh.
1: Yeah. O- older equipment, things that um, they repair themselves um, and, yeah. in, in, you know, maintenance and things like that, doing it themselves, that that can lead to, to injuries as well.
0: Do you track tree trimmers as part of this agriculture?
2: We track tree trimmers under landscapers uh, in in that industry. There are several fatalities every year, it seems. Yes, yes, we do track tree trimmers as well. So So what do you do with all this data? So we try to do um, a lot of educational material. We compile it down into um, reports, hazard reports, investigation reports. We uh, try to make videos and uh, work with provide uh, annual reports that we do every year for each of our conditions, whether it's lead or pesticides, hospitalizations or crushings. All of these are available on our website. We do uh, fact sheets. So one to uh, one to two pages that highlight some of the key elements that we're seeing. We've done this for farm fatalities, for lead, um, lead poisoning. and um, excess blood lead levels. We have we also do um, I'm blanking on this okay. <laughs> what I was gonna say next. Yeah. but our website has plenty of information uh, on what on the other products that we put together um, for each of those things. We do uh, brochures and pamphlets, And um, we also compile this information and try to do tailored trainings for individuals or companies that need that and go out and be able to present that either at a trade show like uh, the Michigan Safety Conference, Jeff has presented there before, uh, and um, or do this for individual companies, be able Mm -hmm. to go out and share the information that we have and talk about what trends we're seeing. Do you have
0: anything to add to that, Jeff?
1: No, just that we're always available for presentations. We can customize, you know, our data to fit whatever industry it is, whatever situations, work tasks, um, uh, national safety month theme, anything like that. We can we can customize it and make it work.
0: Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit here. Can you describe what's included in a hazard report or investigation summary, Jeff?
1: Yeah, so those are are um, kind of our not strictly limited to, but maybe more common for our MyFACE program. Um, And our hazard alert, if you were to look on our webpage, is more geared towards something like we're seeing a trend. You know, it it could be something like uh, a certain industry that we're seeing something occur in, uh, a certain type of machine or piece of equipment, or maybe even just some practice that's occurring in a certain industry. Uh, a recent example of one that we did was pertaining to the use of skid steer loaders. You know they're used in a bunch of different industries, including agriculture, uh, construction, landscaping, maybe even you know um, industry or um, you know things for like maintenance, for parking lot cleanup, stuff like that. Um, but with our data, with our data and the way we collect everything we're able to see that there's these similar incidences that are occurring across all these different industries while using this same piece of equipment. So our hazard alerts will typically have um, kind of at the beginning a description of the type of incidences that we're seeing with maybe some statistics to back that up, uh, examples or case studies, um, strategies to prevent those incidences from occurring, and then resources for further information, such as, you know, if there's an applicable myosha regulation or industry best practice or something like that. And that's kind of in contrast to our investigation or narrative reports that are focused on one specific incident. You know, with those, we're, we're trying to uh, provide more educational, more information on these incidents that occurred. You know, you might see it in the news. You might see the, the little email blast that comes out from BioSha, but you're you're curious, you know, what more can I learn from that incident? So there's things like uh the detailed summary. Um, maybe if uh if we have information on, you know, kind of what training uh the victim had or what safety programs their company had, um how long they had worked in that industry, like what their experience was. Uh the cause of death, um, if there was any myelsha regulations that were were violated as part of this, um, and then again, going back to the educational side, the recommendations to prevent further occurrence. You know, that's kind of the the biggest piece of it. Again, um, like I mentioned earlier, we're not regulatory. And kind of with that, you know, it we can go above and beyond, right? You know, our recommendations can be things like industry best practices or recommended standards or codes, you know, NFPA, ANSI standards, things like that. You know, we can reference all of those things. There's, there's no obligation to follow any of the MyFACE recommendations, but we encourage people to do so.
0: I think what you're explaining is you're kind of in a unique position if you get enough information to be able to identify a trend like if it happens to your company you know that incident happened but if you're at a place where i I get a bunch of reports and i say oh this happened here it also happened there so you're able to disseminate that kind of information which is exactly what we need
1: correct yep yeah no it's in and there's kind of the piece like laurel mentioned earlier where we can see the non-fatal injuries and we can see the fatal injuries, and we can kind of see those trends going from there. doesn't always line up. Um, like Laura mentioned earlier, we kind of see the, the the cattle in farming as the non-fatal side, but then we see the machines and the tractors on the fatal side, so they don't always... Line up Exactly. But it's it's interesting to see that all that data when it all well, it's that classic
0: formula, 300 near misses for every, you know, last time accident. So yeah. you're in a position to be able to explain that to folks. Yeah. So how can industry interact with my face or the Division of Occupational Environmental Medicine?
2: So, you know, we are a very knowledgeable group. We've been doing this a long time, and we have a lot of information and data to be able to um, identify, like you said, those trends. We can see this across the entire industry or across occupations and be able to provide that. Michigan State University is a land grant college. And so our purpose is education. We're available and we're free of charge to be able to answer questions and to assist on occupational health and safety issues. And we can also come out to assist at the workplace. And our website has so much good information on it. There, you know, in our annual reports, we break things down by our uh, specific types of industries and occupations, where the uh, where the injuries are occurring, what type of injuries are occurring most frequently. Like for farmers, those age 16 and older, we're seeing a lot of fractures. Whereas for the younger individuals, we're seeing contusions and bruises. Uh, we are able to, um, we provide narratives of what happened. So it's, you know, we we have that storytelling aspect of this person was injured doing this. Um, This individual was standing in this place or on this ladder, or they were trying to reach here. and, um, And we are able to provide those narratives about what's going on. For instance, I guess I should give you a a specific one like a male in his 30s was hospitalized for 29 days with crushing injuries to his pelvis after a high loaf tipped over and landed on him. So you know we're able to share these stories and hopefully they can be used to prevent these injuries from occurring. And don't you interface on a national level? We do. We do. Um, We have, so the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health uh, funds uh, over, I think we're at 39 states to do occupational health surveillance across the country at different levels. There are about, uh, I want to say, I can't remember how many my states there are, but we also work closely with those other my states. And so they put out hazard um, investigation summaries and reports as well. So if you can't find what you're looking on on our website, then you can take a look at the NIOSH has a national clearinghouse where states post all of their education material, their investigation summaries. You can go through and the... A safety professional uh, can go through and take a look and see if they can find some information in other states
0: that have exactly what they're looking for, for the topic that they're interested in. So many companies have uh, businesses in different states besides Mm -hmm. Michigan. So that's nice to know you have that interface that they can Mm -hmm. see our info, we can see theirs. So why do you believe this topic is important? So, (laughs) I
2: was going to say that you know for for me for farm injuries you know we keep seeing these high fatalities and injuries year in and year out and the importance of our program is that we're able to capture and identify them so if our trends look different from what we're seeing nationally then you know we're able to provide it specifically for Michigan and we do that in all other areas which I, I think
0: is is very important to be able to highlight that and then to be able to do something about it. Now, I know you said earlier that uh, we've been tracking these injuries for about 35 years. What's one of the unique aspects about Michigan that we haven't talked about?
2: So I think one of the unique aspects about Michigan is that uh, Michigan's um we traumatic injuries are part are reportable conditions as part of the Michigan's public health code. So in the United States, there are a number of conditions that are required to be reportable so that public health can help to intervene and prevent um, injuries or illnesses from spreading. These are usually conditions like measles. Uh, uh, Legionnaires' disease, uh, rabies. Making sure that if an individual has rabies, that we identify where what where the source is, and then make sure that they can get access to treatment. So those are examples of reportable conditions. Now, in, traumatic injuries are not usually reportable in other states. So because of that here in Michigan, we're able to identify work-related injuries. We're able to attract them and quantify them. And that's an
0: amazing thing. Yeah, that's good. I think, we, as you say, we have to work with the community as well. It sounds like when you have, like you say, a rabies, what, what was the source, that type of thing. So you also interact with the community. Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. that impact them. So any final thoughts? Uh,
2: So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention that we didn't get a chance to mention is that, uh, you know, you said we work with other states. And one example of that is with methylene chloride, a bathtub for among bathtub refinishers. So methylene chloride is a highly volatile, colorless toxic chemical that's widely used as degreasers, process process catalysts, and paint remover. And in 2010, our program identified two individuals who died close to time to each other, and then identified individuals in prior years. And we worked with our federal partners and other faith states to identify additional individuals and to you know make this information available out there, put it out there. And you know, part of that process is you know making visible that this is occurring. And in 2017 and 2018, national retailers phased out selling paint strippers with methylene chloride. In 2019, the EPA issued a final rule to prohibit the manufacturing um, and processing and distributing of methylene chloride in consumer paint and coat removal. And just this year, there has been a proposed um, prohibitions in workplace um, protections under the Toxic Substance Control Act. So I think that's one of the things that our program does is that we help show that these are problems and show that these are things that um, highlight individuals who have
0: died and the causes so that we can enact policy and changes. That's definitely a success story. Jeff, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, just that, you know, it's it, the, the whole process is, is amazing, all of the stuff that we gather, all of the information that we have, and how useful it can be. You know, if if there's anything that anybody needs, we can customize, we can provide data, um, they just need to reach out to us. Sounds like a
0: plan. In our quest to impact occupational illnesses and injuries, Michigan State University's Division of Occupational and Environmental Medicine provides another research tool for EHS professionals for collaboration and assistance in preventing serious incidents. Thank you to Laurel and Jeff from the Division of Occupational and Environmental Medicine, College of Human Medicine at Michigan State University. Their website address is, and I wanna be very clear, www.oem.msu.edu, which is updated frequently, and I found it to be very user-friendly. If you have any questions about the podcast, the Michigan Safety Conference, or if you'd like to be a guest or sponsor one of our podcasts, information can be found on our website at michsafetyconference.org. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum. This is Sheila Ive.